Welcome, friends, dorks, basically dorks. good doers, to <laughs> season three, free fives with your boys. Rock with your boys. All right, I'm, I'm done. 107.5, uh, <laughs> baby, baby. No, what is it? One, what is it? 105.3, 105.3, baby, baby, drift radio jams. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're listening to a new season of Basically Good. Um, Holy cow. And it's episode, well, I guess it's pre-pod 69. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. Very nice. Nice. <laughs> It's freaking nice. (laughs) We're going to move on. (laughs) We're going to talk about our favorite moments from season two. uh, Because we were talking before we started recording. And just like so much has happened in season two. Chance pointed out like, or I guess book two is what we're going to focus on. Book two happened with us going into the portal. That's how long it's been. It's been like literally ages. It's been crazy. Full ages. Ages. Ages of ashes, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, dude. So, come on, on, dude. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, dude. <laughs> so, Age of Ashes, book two, Cult of Cinders is what it's called. Um, and I want to make sure I get the. Yeah, by Eleanor Farron. So, uh, what do you guys think of it? What were your thoughts? High points, low points? I, I loved I loved book two. I'm going to be real. Um, it was really different than book one. Mm-hmm. Just because it was like the hex crawl made it so much of a slow burn. Um, yeah. But I I think that like in all honesty, that's like a high and a low because it really spread out the stress and it made like everything. It made the tension last for so much longer, in my opinion. Like I think back to the big moments of season two. And like us just like wandering in the jungle between each of those big moments and a lot of really cool combat like like the wyverns that was dope like whenever we the thought wyverns. everybody was dead like that was sick mm-hmm. but then like that would also be my low point is just like kind of slogging through the jungle and yeah. like at times i like i remember being frustrated and being like why the hell are we just here and like yeah. i'm blind and it sucks but um, I think it was like a, a benefit because it really made us feel like we were kind of in in the pits, which was good. It was immersive. Mm-hmm. It was. The negatives uh, suited the setting. Mm-hmm. I think my one one big um, favorite of mine is the Akujai. Just I love that that culture and i loved that i was able to like influence ronnie to pick an akujai and its impact on like the adventure and i don't know like i i love all the npcs that they gave me and i don't know like in in seeing seeing what the akujai were like in the um the module we ran with the salty dogs arc um uh, River into Darkness is that module, and that was yeah. that was technically like a it was like early days Paizo. It was a three point five. Um, it, it was actually the three point five rules, and they oh. yeah. So like you, there was like a conversion chart with it, I believe, or something. But like it was right when they were getting started. So, uh, but seeing how they wrote the Akujai then as yeah. these kind of like terrifying people, savages um, almost. Yeah, and then like seeing how they wrote them in like 2020, um, I I 
thought it was really cool and I and I use like the idea of like both are accurate it's just of what perspective you're looking at yeah you know what I'm saying exactly mm -hmm. and, which worked very yeah. well yeah super super well and so but yeah I just really love the Akujai I love that Kalera was Akujai and I love that we could explore like 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 the Kaleti and that ritual and like the oh. burying that one um, one so of them that cool. died in the battle. Yeah. And that um, was so so good. Like just fleshing them out was awesome. Yeah. And it just yeah. reminds me like this literally all came from like you said, like I was like, Chance, I wanna play a black elf. And you're like, they're they <laughs> no more exist. fam. <laughs> well, they're called you're a Kujai. And like wink wink, you should play one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Definitely very subtle pushing towards it, but it worked out. And yeah, I think you did a really good job of uh, flushing out the world of the Akujai, like obviously alongside what was in book two, but just giving them like, the personalities I think were really great. Cause I think a lot of time, um, whenever we interact with like whole cultures, so, like I think of um, Crimson Throne, when we um, interacted with, what was the name of the, the, the tribe chants? Oh, the Shawanti. The Shawanti, yeah. So, like, mm -hmm. whenever we, we interacted with the Shawanti, I felt like there was only, like, one person we really, like, got to see and hear from and, mm -hmm. like, see a glimpse of their culture through him. Um, but with the Akujai, like, there was, like, Yasi. There was the, the twin leopards. Yeah. There was, like, literally just merchants and, like, all these other characters that were very different, but all very obviously Akujai, and I just love that. Mm -hmm. And Devoko's an Akujai. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I really like, um, I really like the difference between uh, I think you had mentioned this one time chance about how there's a there's a universe in where the Akujai are very happy go lucky chipper people and uh, you know as adventurers you show up and they're playing games with you and we definitely had some of that with uh, the start of season two getting to know kind of their like fun uh, culture um, but I love that I feel like the tension amongst our party personally, like in our universe, we're almost not welcome. Like Kaleria was our one in with the group mm -hmm. and she was the, yeah. like, wasn't liked very much. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we ha you have the twin leopards that like are pretty much putting up with us. And then the rest of us that aren't culturally savvy enough to really speak up and say anything. So it's like, it's this very neat dichotomy where I think I think the um, Akujai of the past, in, in terms of the like um, the salty dogs arc that you know we went through, um, kind of had the same attitude towards us. Like they, we we were in the middle of their issue, and the fact that we helped out a little bit, they like the only thing that we got out of that entire like encounter with them is they let us live. Like they let us like <laughs> go down the river, or they let the they let them go down the river and. And they didn't kill us. They like didn't shoot at us. So I feel like it was very similar to where there were multiple times where Ronnie or Kaleri would say, I know that if I say something here, it's only going to make it worse for us. Like they would they would give us an inch and we just had to take the inch because if we if we started yelling at them for more, it, we just knew that it was going to end up bad. Mm -hmm. You know, we were there under their good graces pretty much. 100%. Yeah, which was like really great for um Kalaria's character development too. I, we kind of joke that like, um, really like the, the the star of this season, like other than maybe the last fifteen minutes, obviously <laughs> if you if you've seen, heard the finale, it was Frizzigig, right? Like, right. In reality, the person who had the most opportunity for growth 
and like the the hardest hitting moments in the season was Frizzigig. And so Kaleri was more just because like we were in the Mwangi, we were among the Kujai, there was a lot of really great story plot moments for Kaleri. And like fleshing out the world of the Akujai and like how they're very like traditional and all these other things. And like there was some really great growth for Kaleri too, but I definitely want to point out the fact that like I definitely think the star of the season was Frizzigig for like Aww. For a lot of reasons, and right. one of our good friends texted us and said, "If Frizzigig died, it would be appropriate because of how much growth he's had." And we're like, <laughs> right. "I mean, you're not wrong, but you're wrong. <laughs> right. We don't want Frizzigig to die." <laughs> I yeah, I think that because um, I remember talking with Silas at the beginning of the season, and we were talking about, and I use for an example, I use Guardians of the Galaxy as an example, right? And so if you remember Rocket Raccoon and Guardians 1, there was like, obviously there's a lot of conflict within like their party, right? Mm -hmm. But then they like work it out and they like bond together and they have like this like team at the end and they, then they go off whatever. But then like the beginning of, 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 of the second movie, Rocket and um, uh, Dark Star is what I want to say. I literally Quinn. thought Dark Star too. Star Lord. I was like in Dark Star, uh, of course. Uh, but yeah, Rocket and Star Lord are like arguing and fighting over who's kind of the leader, and then like mm-hmm. they actually branch off and like go separate ways, like halfway through, like mid- middling in the movie act end of Act One. And I was like, even though Frizzigig has kind of been like, okay, okay, like I'll like work with you guys you know like we have a castle and like i have a room there and whatever like i'm on my path but i'll work with you guys um i was like it's still there's still some animosity towards heroes it's like i don't really Mm -hmm. belong here and so we saw a lot of that in the beginning when they first arrived in the Mwangi. and there was an episode i believe where we were like is frizzica gonna leave right now yeah yeah that was a big conversation chance and i had yeah yeah i was trying to figure out if that was gonna happen or not so it's cool to see where he is now at the end of the season, where he was like when he was going through the portal. So definitely mm-hmm. he's grown the most, I think. Yeah. And not in the way that I expected him to. Mm-hmm. Um, like for sure. His his big character development like episode uh, where they find Elowen and and, yeah. and all of that, that I, I tried to go into it. Here, do you want to pause and as, answer this real quick? Yeah, yeah. Wait, let's just stay recording. <laughs> Who is it? It's Malia. It's Malia, Malia, how hey. dare you? First of all, <laughs> Malia, we're live. I yeah, you're live. Have been listening to it on and off all day, and just had like a 20 minute drive, and was screaming in my car on curvy roads. <laughs> I'm pissed. You're pissed. <laughs> Being sad. Gotcha. We're in the middle of recording, so we're recording the pre-pod. Uh, you're on the oh. you're on the pre-pod, so. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, well, we're we're glad we're glad you are upset and enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm sorry, I'm like. I didn't cry, but I almost cried. <laughs> it's close Zach one. crying almost made me cry. <laughs> Zach's okay. crying did I'm make done. me cry. I just wanted to yell at you real quick. Okay. I love you, Malia. Ass, so Everyone says they yeah. love you. Here's Hannah. I love everyone. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Oh okay. My gosh. Anyways, <laughs> back to Silas, what you yeah. were saying. We're saying L yes, for the Silas, gig, mid-season finale. Um, yeah, so Frizzy Geek's big character development episode where they find Elowin. Um, what I, I, you know, I mentioned Chance and I had had conversations kind of about like, if this happens, like, what is Frizzy Geek going to do? If this happens, it was just a, it was such a big moment and we could all feel it kind of coming up. Yeah. And, um, I, I tried to go into it with as few, uh, it's like ideas beforehand of what was going to happen, which I think probably was really frustrating for Chance, because uh, <laughs> it was like I don't know what he's going to do. Again, I didn't, yeah. didn't want to plan too hard, uh, but I'm glad I did because if I had if I had tried to make a choice beforehand, it would not have been the way it turned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and because I had no clue, I had absolutely no idea what Chance had planned for that, um, and so it was really neat to. I don't know. I, I this is the most I've ever thought about a character that I've played and like mm-hmm. what they feel about things. And right. and so being able to just like just be Frizzigig in the moment and and kind of see what happens um, was cool. It was terrifying because I was ready. I was, you know, I was ready for Frizzigig to just run away. I was ready for him to do something stupid. <laughs> I was ready for him to chill the fuck out uh, and um, but that was a really cool, like from a, a playing perspective, you were talking about this earlier. That was probably my personal highlight. I've never played in a, a game in that kind of a situation ever, and probably never will in that, uh, high of stakes again. <laughs> I think we can all like kind of get into, you gave us like a really good look into for Zeke's head. And I think Chance and I were talking about this recently too, because he recently remastered season or uh, uh, episode two and three of season one and uh, re-listening to Frizzy Gig's kind of cynicism and uh, like, like, you know, uh, just, just his overall character kind of lent itself to think that like, if he ever came face to face with, uh, these people that hurt at least at least hurt his sister, right? Um, he was about ready. To, he was like, no hesitation, slit their throat like that, and that was the end of it. Um, and being able to see like the whole scene, like of muddy, rainy um, horror, pretty much, and you having all the power, Frizzy Gig having all the power, Elwyn having no power, like no no decision in the matter. You could take her life. You could do whatever you wanted. And um, we got to see kind of a, a peek into like Frizzigig's heart, which seems tacky, but it's not like uh, of just like it wasn't about the violence. It was never about like retribution. It was just about closure. And like, mm-hmm. this is how he's handling it. Right. Like, that's how I took it from an outsider perspective. And I think all of us were just like, we just I mean, go back and listen, listen to the pauses of five to ten seconds of us just not saying anything because it was real like mm-hmm. that that we were watching you we were watching frizzy like unfold himself and we had never seen anything like that until then which is so yeah. powerful i'm sure and that's kind of how i mean like for real like you you mentioned going from uh a situation where he didn't have any power or control over what was going on and then all of a sudden he found himself with all of the power and control he always thought he right. wanted and and you're and that forces you when when you have exactly what you said you wanted all along, 
Right. And there's a lot of times like it forces you to, to really think about like, is this what I actually wanted? And I think in that moment, yeah. and this is all I could think about was like, what would Treasel do if Treasel yeah. was here? Mm -hmm. And and the answer was, I think, really obvious. And that's what Rizgig really struggled with in that moment was because he had been building up to this and and all of a sudden he had what he wanted and and it didn't feel right anymore. So right. he had to let it go. Yeah. Another another really uh, heavy scene I think that I think of is is when everyone was pissed at Calere for going in alone at the fortress. Yeah. And I remember that was a, a high point for us afterwards because mm -hmm. yeah, you guys were, were one just thrown off by the angels like the uh, uh, deus ex machina at the end. But like <laughs> also just like you guys were, I mean, did you guys really think Claire was going to bite it at the end or just that that was the end of, of her or what? Yeah, like personally, um, and, I, and we discussed this the day after because that was just a new kind of style of storytelling that we hadn't really explored before like that whole setup and execution and like looking back on it it works really well because chance even like fucking got us dude but yeah. like mm -hmm. like the whole idea of like communicating about things and like the idea of like a just trust me that chance did to, to zach in the last episode that isn't necessarily book two but um yeah like i was convinced i was dead i was like going to the situation i was like this is what clary would do and I am perfectly okay with like her life ending here if that's what needs to happen for the story to like progress in the way that it needs to progress. Um, and so like, I like went in there saying like, I could have, if I was full health, I could have taken her out, but like, this is the end of my line. And then like when those angels come in, man, like that's why that's such a magical moment. Like it was such a magical moment to us as players. Um, especially because like, we just didn't know what was gonna happen. And it was kind of just over. Like that was the first time in this campaign where my character was in a situation where I just kind of had to let go of the steering wheel. Like I didn't, like it was over. Like I had driven mm -hmm. myself into like the abyss and I couldn't go any further. And like, it was going to take literally a supernatural occurrence to save me. Um, and I was just kind of like dumbstruck for the rest of the night. Yeah. How do we feel about Bel Belmazog as, I mean, you can argue whether Dahak or Belmazog is the, the boss of the, of the event but uh um sorry one second <laughs> it's so funny i'm watching what, the discord what the hell too. did he just say to me <laughs> he, he said <laughs> to, like us traumatizing people pretty much beating the shit out of them <laughs> traumatizing the people who support them and pay them money <laughs> you love us and you know it you <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> So I funny. just I just saw some keywords of like traumatized pay them money and I was like shit I might have to like read this this might be bad. <laughs> um, our paychecks are at stake. <laughs> our money, all the money we make. Um, no, but uh, yeah, no, just Belmazog uh, or or Dahak, you could argue which which is the or Mr. Biro <laughs> is the uh, the villain of this book. But I would argue that Belmazog, I would say she's mm -hmm. book two villain. Um, but how does she compare to to Vaz, book one villain? Um, how does she compare just as a villain? What do you guys think? What do you guys think of her? Or the uh, Cinder, I, or the Cinder Claw cult as a whole? I was 
I've been talking a lot, but I feel like I have something that I wanted to say about this, so I'll try to keep it brief. But um, I really like Bomazog. But one thing that I do kind of think is a real strength of the way that like the story is told through like tabletop role playing. I think is really cool is the fact that like a lot of times there are unforeseen moments that become really critical that necessarily wouldn't have necessarily been. And there's moments that should have been really critical that don't end up being. And like in the overarching story, everything is still insane and like really mm -hmm. great. But I definitely think the way Belmazog was built up was really good. And then like us just wiping her, I think was yeah. pretty cathartic in and of itself because that fight could have gone completely differently. You know, us walking in there wounded. And I think that like, had one of us gone down to Belmazog's hand, the audience's feeling about her and my feeling about her would be really different than just the fact that like we kind of just orchestrated justice, right? Mm -hmm. Because nobody really was in critical condition. Aaron just like pulled a fucking Queen's Gambit and destroyed everything. <laughs> so, um, and then like the same for the Hawk, right? Like we went in there expecting to die and got out relatively unscathed. But then like there were moments in, in the season where like we should have like had no problem dealing with the, the problem and then we just almost get capped. Like whenever we fucking yeah. blow up that the uh, the ship. Dude, <laughs> the Ashbringer was terrifying. The Ashbringer, we destroyed the Ashbringer and we're like, all right, checkmate. We win. And then, and then we're, we almost die anyway, you know? These mm -hmm. double like bruisers climb out of the water and just flatline us. Not good, <laughs> not good. That was super and so, scary. That's why I think like, uh, season two has like different climaxes, right? Like the buildup and the rising action was super slow. Mm -hmm. And then like from like essentially um, the metal dragon at the mine, it's a climax yeah. through the end of the season almost. Like there's not really right. room to breathe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we're all Multi -max for climaxes here at a, at basically good episode 69 climaxes. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess to say <laughs> I really like Bomazog. Um, but I kind of mm -hmm. wish he would have capped us a little bit harder. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Belmazog is a uh, a great villain because we get to see we get to see somebody with a lot of faith, like um, you know, try try to muster up like that whole last kind of few episodes with her, where she's like literally looking up to the heavens, like if if there if my God actually you know, is is here, is present with me, give me, like, pretty much Samson's us, right? Like, Samson from the Bible, like, tries one last time, knows it's it for her, and what what is cool is I feel like there was two ways that I was expecting it to go. One, she gets this huge power spike from Dahak, or two, he's just not there, and she just looks up and there's, like, no answer. And I think either one <laughs> would have been an amazing way yeah. to end her story. Like, like we... We have completely destroyed the cult. Dahak has moved on to bigger and better things elsewhere, and she is left alone. Or he still believes in her, which we kind of got that. You know, if we're gonna take yeah. the side of the villain, we kind of got a, a look into her. Like, like she died, I think, knowing that she was still important in in the plan, mm -hmm. even though you know we all lived. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I will. Oh, go ahead, Salas. I was yeah, I'm I'm just thinking about Bumblezog more, and I think. I think this is why I'm okay. You know, Ronnie, you said you wished Bumblezog had clapped us a little more. And I I think I'm okay with, with Bumblezog not because she feels more, not less of a, like a final boss, one man army and more of a general. 
Yes, and exactly. I mean, she right. had all of these minions at her disposal definitely. and was controlling yeah. them and was a tactician and, and like definitely had, you know, was stronger than all of her minions. But the, the I feel like the, the scary part was was not one big bad evil dude. It was we are there is an entire army and we actually have to right. get rid of all of it. And mm-hmm. this is and we are walking into their camp. And this mm-hmm. this whole the whole mist is like their zone, uh, and, and I think that's cool. You don't see, like I, I I don't know if I've if I can remember uh, in in a like tabletop RPG game like having an experience like that, like dismantling an army rather yeah. than there being one big person and you know they've got their underlings and stuff or yeah. whatever. But like really, it was all about that person. But this felt a lot more like like, like Shadow, Shadow was the Mortal. leader in the. Yeah. yeah, 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 very much more like that. Very yeah. killable. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in that way, I felt like that was that feeling was truly solidified when we went back to the mine. Yeah, and there was like no one there. Mm-hmm. Like when we first went in there, we right. were like, okay, we can't fight this out here because there's just too much. Like we mm-hmm. can see all these baddies, and Chance and I were talking about what was it a pterodactyl? <laughs> yeah, it was, pterodactyl? It was a, a, a rack or a rock or. It's a D and D monster. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah, which was a sick fight, by the way. Yeah. I think that like pulsing lightning and Definitely everything. Definitely dope. But um, beyond like when we went, we went there originally. We were like, we can't, we can't handle this. It's like there are enemies on all of all the sides of us. We don't have like the area control. We don't have, you know, everything we need. Like we were like, okay, do we run over here? But then we get boned from over here. All this kind of stuff. And so we left. And then when we came back, there was like no one there and then the person shows up with the metal dragon mm-hmm. and so it really did feel like we were cutting away at her power and right. in a lot of ways i agree especially with what silas was saying because she didn't really feel like that much of a villain by the time we fought her because uh at, at least as some as a player not just you know um not from my character's perspective but from a player perspective she has been trying to appease somebody above her the whole time mm-hmm. and yeah we know that this uh there are multiple people that rank above her and so it really felt like we were just fighting um i don't know the next the next mini boss it felt like mm-hmm. by the time we got to her uh which was very cool yeah, and that's that's something that I I was thinking about when you guys were talking about her, and that like through the mechanic of the cold open, which I think is like one of the best parts about our show. Um, I, yeah, I, as a mechanic, and I just I love like what it adds to the show, and that like like take out all the Belmazog cold opens and the first time you guys see her is literally like when you go there for the first time and how much different of a character she would have been right yeah like having yeah. no knowledge of her like sniveling and groveling mm-hmm. to the masters and you guys mm-hmm. like your whole perspective of her would be different right yeah yeah um, well Belmazog feels more like a character now instead of just an enemy Right. Yeah. Same with same yeah. with Hazel. Like we would have had no yeah, like because we, we just mm-hmm. wiped Hazel and we didn't ask her anything. Yeah. So like without the cold opens, she would have just been another like you know yeah. stronger enemy, a goblin yeah. red. You know? Yeah. And and Zach and I were talking, um, but like to like sh- sh- uh, shed some light to like reveal some parts of the book. Um, 
Belmazog was written as kind of like, kind of like a failure, right? Um, They, there were parts in the book that kind of describe her and like, as like the hawk isn't listening, right? Like it's more like the God of chromatic dragons is only, he only cares about power and he, it's like, he even doesn't care about his own followers, right? Like unless they're powerful. And so like Mm -hmm. she's supposed to, she's written as a very just like embarrassing like she's like all the hawk all praise be to hawk and he doesn't even care about her right mm. and and that kind of goes with what zach's like that would have been cool if like she wouldn't have got any power but i for some reason i was like i want i yeah i just i wanted her to be kind of groveling but i wanted her to like succeed in like a little bit right like i wanted like her whole, her whole, her whole journey was being born a freak. She was a bugard, but like through some weird weather, how like she was close to like Dahak's presence or whatever. But like she was born part draconic and it was shunned by her tribe. And then she came back and like killed, you know, the guy and created her own thing. And like yeah, she yeah. like all the success, you know. So she came from the bottom, and then she like. I don't know. I just kind of related with her and I like, I wanted to give her something, you know, I, I didn't yeah. want to be like, haha, this character's dumb. Like not even her God cares about her, you know? Uh, so I kind of wrote her a little, I gave her a little bit more slack than perhaps the writers intended, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I enjoyed her. I, I do wish she would have been like a little bit stronger, but I just can't, but we, we talked to the past um, and that literally one lightning bolt in the middle of the room just destroyed that entire boss fight. And I, I thought boom, about boom, it and bam, I was like, boom. not many other spells would have done that. And so, because at first it's like, maybe I messed up, but it's like, no, I just think like a powerful spell that hit all the enemies and broke the, um, the Dahak skull that was shooting fireballs down, like one more round of that thing going off on Kaleri, like it would have been a totally different fight. So. I also uh, really like the, because um, all of, of book two, I think in season two is kind of presented in a really tragic way, which I don't think I felt as much with other um, campaigns. And the idea of, I think partly because of the cold open and partly because it's just an early part of the game, typically it's like a, you know, like a goblin tribe or whatever, and you wipe them out and it's whatever, and you go back to the town and the people lodge you and it's fine. But with the cold opens, like, I, I think it, like, really helped me see the cult in Belmazog as, like, just tragic characters, right? right it's like, right. we're coming into this cult of, uh, that worships, like, the god of chromatic dragons. And like you said, Chance, he doesn't care. And Kaleri is like, you know, you're trying to bring the second coming of Dahak, but when he gets here, he's just going to kill you, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's just going to burn everything. Um, and, like, that frustration... Uh, kind of fueled Kaleri at least into like just like wiping them all out because it's like you're just worshiping a false god you know yeah. and like I'm the prophet of this like I, I'm, a, I'm a god killer right like I'm going to kill this guy in the name of justice or whatever that she believes and like that a whole idea of strength but mm-hmm. just like the tragedy of the cult I think was something that I really realized towards the end because you walk into there it's a huge army they're a huge presence but it's just like they worship the god of chaos and yeah. we brought them their end and like their end is the same regardless, right? It's like they right. either succeed and bring a dog back and they all die mm-hmm. or we kill them. Those yeah. are the only options for the cult, which is just so sad. Yeah. <clears throat> there's 
there's something Jackson kind of touched on that we didn't really like revisit, but like the the mind being empty was because they all remember remember when Kaleri <laughs> sniped everyone and there was one left and then this the, their faith was sh so shaken that when they came back to the mine they said uh, you know I saw I did not see my God I did not see I think that's that's probably one of my like top three moments of the season that was hilarious was this <laughs> overturning of faith from a lot of the cultists like we just got like zapped and and this is like we need to get out of here and then seeing many of them like throw down their weapons obviously they don't make it far hezel makes quick work of them and turns them into literal fuel for her dragon but uh like that that moment of kind of wrestling with Kaleri's decision to smoke them but also like just the like our, the fact that our actions had such drastic consequences for kind of like breaking up this like you said this cult that's like pretty much misguided right like this this very enthusiastic misguided cult um that kind of starts to what as we hex crawl away kind of begins to dismantle itself so very cool very good thoughts yeah, is there any any closing remarks you guys want to have? We're getting to the to the end of this little pre-pod. Uh, anything yeah. specific? The coolest new NPC was um, what's his name? Kiyoma, the angel. Ah, uh, Kiyoma. Now yeah. I'm a little biased Dope. because I had a really in cool interaction with him, but I still think that he was just like the coolest dude. This black angel wearing these orange robes. For sure. sexy as hell <laughs> showing up with the boys to save us mm -hmm. <laughs> damn he was cool yeah very uh as far as like closing remarks about season two um i really loved just getting to make music for the season and it Dude. was really long but i think there's some moments in there like the angels that was super fun to make and work with chance on the season finale, just like making a really sad Breachill song was mm -hmm. really cool. So if good. you haven't heard, Gosh. this is a jazz rendition of the Breachill theme. That was really fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then like the coming home, you know, and yeah. hearing all the old music. It's just like everything in the season worked together so well. And I think that like that was really fun. It really did feel like we went somewhere that was completely different to mm -hmm. come back. Mm -hmm. It's very, it was very... Um, it felt very fruitful. It was a lot of fruit. Yes. <laughs> a lot of uh, Moinganese fruit. Sauce, <laughs> <laughs> so, you got anything? <laughs> Screw that chapter. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Baller. Yeah. I don't even remember. What was Baller. it? <laughs> Zach. The jarring conclusion to season two will always be a a great hook. I think that has become almost a tagline for the show as a whole as last last season finale was crazy off the wall mm -hmm. this season finale was crazy off the wall um and and i think i think the building the buildings that we had in this season only compounded to the impact of the finale and it is it is actually so bonkers that we are moving into the third book in a six book game and and to think about the compounding and hype building that will come in the future just mm -hmm. just insanity what a great season yeah i want to change my closing remarks to be just coattailing that one 
guys. <laughs> Amen. Retweet. Nice remarks. <laughs> wow, that's good. Man. Silas, that was so profound. Zach, you're now, what can I say? It was a tag team. Zach, it was a tag, tag team, team effort. effort. For you. Zach, I do have a question for you. So, you know, like the the Akujae kind of were like in this like almost socialist communist compound. I wanted to know how you felt about that. I don't know. I think I stand probably on the more like conservative side of. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, <laughs> I, I disagree with you, obviously, but, you know, I think they were pretty, you know, thriving community. So, Damn. hey, we got some spicy new sound bits, though. Yeah, we, we do. do. We do. I have not added them yet. But uh, <laughs> yoink that ass. Yoink, yoink that ass. <laughs> Might as well call oh my you gosh. a deviled egg because you're a fucking crowd. Crow. Crow. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> what? I love the, the name of the oh. sound bit is Ronnie WTF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. so funny. That's mm-hmm. it. That's right. it. That's you, baby. All right. Next episode, Ronnie, can you put me some dark music? <laughs> we need some dark music. For this Yo, season. somebody throw the watch the, the watch the thrones on. <laughs>